0: Section 161 of the Assessment Act is wide enough to cover anybody.
1: You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants. Tax Talks, the podcast to run and grow your firm.
2: Welcome to episode 373 of Text Talks. This is Heidi Robson and thank you to DocuSign for sponsoring this episode. Today, let's look at information sharing around child support. The sharing of information either voluntarily or mandatory. To what extent can the child support agency and the court subpoena information? Can they force the liable parent or the accountant to provide information? And to what extent can the agency in court go to other countries to get information? This is the question to Simon Bacon of Mensby and Scott in Melbourne. And let's make it simple. Dad is the paying parent and mum is the receiving parent. And now let's say mum has requested a change of assessment. And so now there is a review by the child support agency. And let's say the father is not cooperative. He says, I gave you my tax return and that's all I'm prepared to give you. What are the powers of the child support agency in the review? And what are the powers of the court in such a case? Assuming that it's an Australian company that is paying the wage to the father.
0: Okay, well, the child support agency itself has very great powers under section 161 of the child support assessment act it can issue a notice to any third party uh, requiring information and that third party is required to provide the information sought by the agency to the agency so typically what the child support agency would do is to write to the father's bank and uh, direct that a complete copy of the bank file be sent to the agency uh, similarly, the agency can contact the father's accountant and say any entity that the father is associated with, we want uh, your complete file.
2: What about if the company is actually not held by the father, but by somebody else who is not listed as a spouse on the tax return and is not officially, you know, is not married to the father, but they happen to live in the same location. Do the powers extend to other third parties? that might or might not be related to this father?
0: Section 161 of the Assessment Act is wide enough to cover anybody. Let me just read it to you. Now, depending on how long it is, I can't remember if it's a long one or a short one, but if it's not too long, I can read it to you in, in its entirety. Perfect. Section 161, obtaining of information and evidence. It's quite a long section, but just... Let me read you part of it. The registrar may, where it is reasonably necessary for the purposes of this act, by written notice, require a person to give to the registrar within a reasonable period of time, not being less than seven days, and in a reasonable manner specified, such information as a registrar requires. So it can send one of these notices to a person. Now a person is both a natural and a corporate person, so it covers anybody, and this is where the Child Support Act is still very similar to the Taxation Acts.
2: So that means the Child Support Agency can get the details of the company through ESSIC and then with those details go to any bank, but they won't know which bank to ask, for example.
0: Well, generally speaking, the payee, the mother, knows who the father has banked in the past, so that's a good start. She probably knows which accountant he uses. That's another good start. The accountant's file could be the subject of one of these section 161 notices. Uh, And from there, the agency will just go off and use what information it finds in those documents. And it can go off and issue as many of these notices as it likes.
2: And so the accountant, of course, is obliged by this section 161 notice. Yes. They cannot uh, decline to
0: comment. They can't, but what they can probably say is, oh yes, I have to comply, but if this will take me six hours and my charge out rate is $500 per hour, please promise that you will pay my fee at the end of it. Or at the start. Well, it's probably only fair to be paid at the end of it. I mean, it's the child support agency, is a government agency, and if it promises to pay at the end, it's probably unfair to expect them to pay at the beginning.
2: Accountants are very much moving to direct debits and are not doing anything anymore on the promise to pay later because it just takes too much time chasing debts. Can you request prepayment from government agencies? Look,
0: you can request it, of course. But the child support agency standard approach in these situations is to say we don't have to pay anything, whether it's before or afterwards. And then a nice little argument ensues over the next couple of weeks about whether the accountant can demand payment whether it's at the beginning or the end my view is that the accountant can demand payment if you look at the australian constitution the australian government which is what the child support agency is can't acquire someone's property without paying just compensation and one could argue that the accountant's work and um and efforts are property and if the government's going to acquire it it has to pay a reasonable fee but there are lots of little game you can play with that aspect of uh, these cases.
2: Have you ever seen this, that an accountant gets subpoenaed in child support matters?
0: Ah, look, all the time. And what generally happens is the accountant gets worried that they're being requested to provide this information by the Australian government. They provide it and then bill the payer of child support. The payer says, well, I never authorised you to do this. And a fight ensues between the accountant and the payer. Very often, accountants are involved.
2: So that means so far you have always seen the accountant providing the information very quickly.
0: Yes. The accountant, of course, is a law-abiding citizen, and he or she will fully comply with whatever the government tells him or her to do. If
2: the accountant refused to comment, then is there some legal...
0: Yeah, it's a criminal offence for someone not to provide the information sought. The whole process can be delayed by the accountant insisting upon payment and they're getting into a fight about whether the agency has or has not got the power to to require the information without payment, which slows things down and very often these things just go away. But I've never known an accountant to refuse to do it because the penalty, uh, I can't recall what the penalty is, but it, it is a criminal penalty.
2: I see. I didn't know that. I didn't know that criminal law comes in here. So not providing information or not providing correct information to a child support request for information is a criminal offence. Yes, let's have a look at Section 161 and Mm -hmm. let's see what it says about
0: that. Okay, so Section 161 talks about the obligation for the accountant to provide it and then Subsection 3 says a person who refuses or fails to comply with a requirement made under Subsection 1 is guilty of an offence, punishable upon conviction by imprisonment for a period of not exceeding six months. So in theory, the accountant could go to jail for six months for not providing the information.
2: If the entity that is paying the wages is actually not in Australia, but is an overseas entity, then it probably gets more difficult for the child support agency, especially if that entity or if the, the jurisdiction where that entity is doesn't have a public share registry as ASIC, for example, does. Correct?
0: Yes. There are lots of child support cases involving overseas cases, and there are two types of overseas countries. countries.
2: LLC in the US? Yes. The
0: US is uh, called a reciprocating jurisdiction, and with reciprocating jurisdictions, or those countries Australia has a treaty with, the Australian agency will just go to their American counterpart and request the foreign counterpart to use whatever powers they've got. but. If the company is in a non-reciprocating jurisdiction, somewhere like Indonesia, I think the agency just gives up.
2: I see. You said there were two, so Indonesia and
0: Uh, well, there are lots of there are two types of overseas countries for these purposes. There are reciprocating jurisdictions, those countries where Australia has treaties with the United States, Great Britain, Germany, etc., and there are non-reciprocating jurisdictions, those jurisdictions where Australia does not have arrangements with. Indonesia is one, I think Japan is one, uh, Afghanistan is one, those are countries where the Australian authorities can't expect any help from their colleague uh, child support agencies in those foreign jurisdictions and I think in that situation the agency just gives out.
2: I see. But for example in the US, even though it's a reciprocating jurisdiction, they have this entity that's called a limited liability company and in various states the um, details of those LLCs are anonymous. So the uh, share registry is not, is not public. Do you know if the um, US jurisdiction has the right to somehow pierce through that or is an LLC relatively protected? I think it's relatively protected because, you know, it's used for all sorts of things, including money laundering and hiding assets, etc. So it must be reasonably protected. Am I right?
0: I don't know. Uh, what would happen is the Australian agency would say to their counterparts in the US, use whatever powers you had, please to get this information for us. I mean, my own view about that is I would be surprised in a country like the United States that you can absolutely hide that kind of information from the government um, if it was in the Cayman Islands or somewhere perhaps. But So the answer is, Heidi, I don't
2: know. How strong is the appetite of the child support agency to go overseas? Is it quite a hurdle or are they kind of talking with overseas jurisdictions all the time?
0: The Australian Child Support Agency likes easy cases. Okay, they don't like complicated cases. So if there is an overseas case coming from a reciprocating jurisdiction, they're not too bad. They will contact their colleagues in that country and say, use whatever hours you have. But if the case arises from a non-reciprocating jurisdiction where those kind of avenues are not open to the agency. Essentially, in my experience, they just give up. It's too complicated, too hard, too expensive.
2: If they request information about this LLC from the payer and the payer doesn't provide this information, then we are back to a criminal offence, correct?
0: Uh, well, perhaps not because the payer is going to be in a in an overseas jurisdiction.
2: Yeah, but the payer would be in Australia. They would just have this overseas...
0: And it's a criminal offence. But, but whether this... Legislation has what we always call extraterritorial application. I don't know. But I think the crime would have to occur in Australia.
2: Welcome back. So it is all about Section 161, Paragraph 3 of the Child Support Assessment Act of 1989. That Paragraph 3 says... So it covers anybody. Subsection 3 says a person
0: who refuses or fails to comply with a requirement made under subsection 1. Is guilty of an offence punishable upon conviction by imprisonment for a period of not
2: exceeding six months? Imprisonment, not exceeding six months, that gives the agency in the court a lot of leverage. I think most of us, when we receive a letter threatening imprisonment, will very much reduce our pain threshold. So this is about the subpoena powers of the agency in court. It is basically a blank check. They can request information from anybody and everybody about anything that is relevant. So that is the court and agency here in Australia. But what about other countries? To what extent can the agency in court go to other countries and request information?
0: There are two types of overseas countries for these purposes. There are reciprocating jurisdictions, those countries where Australia has treaties with, the United States, Great Britain, Germany, etc., And there are non-reciprocating jurisdictions. Those jurisdictions where Australia does not have arrangements
2: Bear in mind that 29% of Australians were born overseas, so there's a roughly one in three chance that the mother or father has strong links to another country. But to hide assets or income in another country, of course, you don't need to have been born there. All you need is a bank account or asset account in a non-reciprocating jurisdiction. So with a reciprocating jurisdiction, the agency in court can request any information they need. So again, a blank check. But with a non-reciprocating country, that door is closed. Yet the agency or court can't go to that country and request information where well, they can, but it won't be worth their time. You find the reciprocating countries easily by Googling the list on the Services Australia website. That list is widely publicized. But The music is in the non-reciprocating countries. These are the countries where the agency and the court can't go and ask for data. And that list is a lot more difficult to work out. There is no public list. So we sat down and looked at every country in the world and worked out where it is reciprocating or not. So we basically created this list. So here are the non-reciprocating jurisdictions. Of course, with a disclaimer, please don't rely on this. This is not a definite list. Please seek professional advice. So here are the non-reciprocating countries. These are the countries where the agency or court can't go knocking. And it is actually quite a long list. Some countries I had never heard of, but there are some quite prominent ones. So here is the list.
1: Afghanistan. Angola. Antigua and Barbuda. Armenia. Azerbaijan. Bahamas. Bahrain.
3: Bangladesh.
1: Belize. Benin. Bhutan. Bolivia. Botswana. Bulgaria, Burundi,
3: Cote d'Ivoire Ivory Coast,
1: Cambodia, Cameroon, Chad, China, Comoros, Congo, Costa Rica, Cuba, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Djibouti, Dominica,
3: Dominican Republic,
1: Egypt, El Salvador, Equatorial Guinea,
3: Eritrea,
1: Eswatini, Ethiopia, Gabal, Gambia, Georgia, Ghana, Greece, Grenada, Guinea,
3: guinea bissau Guyana, Honduras, Iceland, Indonesia, Iran, Iraq, Jamaica, Japan, Jordan, Kiribati, Kuwait, Laos, Latvia, Lebanon, Lesotho, Libya,
1: Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein,
3: Madagascar, Maldives, Mali,
1: Marshall Islands,
3: Mauritania, Mauritius, Mauritius, Micronesia, Mongolia, Mozambique, Myanmar, Myanmar, Namibia, Nepal, Nicaragua, Nigeria. North Korea Oman Palau
1: Palestine Panama Paraguay Peru Qatar Russia Rwanda
3: St. Kitts and Nevis St. Lucia San Marino
1: Sautom and Principe
3: Saudi Arabia Senegal Solomon Islands Somalia South Korea
1: South Sudan Sudan Syria
3: Tajikistan
1: Thailand
3: Timor-Leste Togo Tonga
1: Turkmenistan Tuvalu Uganda.
3: United Arab Emirates.
1: Uzbekistan.
2: Vanuatu. Venezuela. Vietnam. Yemen. So these are the non-reciprocating countries, the countries where the agency or court can't ask for information. And then, also for completeness, the following countries are excluded. I'm not sure what the difference is between excluded jurisdictions and non-reciprocating jurisdictions. So, we have to cover that in another episode. But here are the excluded jurisdictions.
1: Brunei, Darasalam.
2: Cook Islands. Israel. Niue. Papua New Guinea. Samoa.
1: Yukon in Canada.
2: So, with these non-reciprocating and excluded countries, child support gets more complicated when the payer or payee is residing or has assets or income in any of these countries. So, to summarise... That was the subpoena powers of the agency in court. They can request anything they like, and you face jail if you don't comply due to section 161, paragraph 3 of the Child Support Assessment Act. And then reciprocating countries are also an open book, but non reciprocating and excluded countries are out. No info. In the next episode, episode 374, let's talk about registered share capital with Damien Lehman. To what extent does it matter? Whether share capital is registered as paid or unpaid with ESIC in the ESIC details. And is there such a thing as additional paid in capital? Does that even exist? These are just some of the questions we will discuss with Damien Lehman in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to DocuSign for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.